Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, are difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. We are presenting you with episode 14 today. And as always, I am your host, Sarah. And across the room, so far away, is Dan. It's July 5th. Do you know where your fingers are? What does that mean? Because on July 4th, people tend to lose fingers. Oh, right, huh? Yeah. But we have intelligent listeners. Right? Yes. So you all know where your fingers are, right? None of you... Hopefully... Blew your fingers off last night. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Ha <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> so yes, today is July 5th. And with that, we're just going to get into our story because, again, I've been hearing that we take too long to get into our stories <laughs> because we banter too much in the beginning. So here we go. Tomorrow, July 6th, marks the 28th anniversary of Marsha P. Johnson's death. And in episode 13, we discussed the captivating life of this beautiful soul. So if you haven't listened to that, we recommend that you do before listening to this episode. It's obviously better to understand her life to better understand why her death was so important and why it still is important. So welcome to episode 14, The Death of Marsha P. Johnson. On July 6th, 1992, just days after that year's Pride Parade, Marsha P. Johnson's lifeless body was pulled from the Hudson River near Christopher Street Pierce. She was just 46 years old. Authorities initially ruled it a suicide as they found no evidence of foul play from the crime scene or evidence on the body. However, Marsha's friends and family believed something much more malicious happened to Marsha and that suicide was out of the question. Witnesses to the retrieval of her body out of the river even attested to the fact that she had a gaping head wound that to them looked consistent with homicide rather than suicide. And being that her death was ruled a suicide, the case was closed shortly after by police. However, friends of Marsha were not at all satisfied with this outcome and marched in her honor to reopen and re-examine the case. They say she had not left any suicide notes, and although she did suffer from mental health issues, she had never shown signs of suicidal ideation or having attempted suicide prior. Though she was captured on home video just days before her death, stating, quote, I don't think they do a good investigation on a gay murder. They think, oh, that's just one more gone. When you gay, it takes forever. I always say tomorrow is not promised to me. Wow. That's crazy. Like, did she think something was going to happen to her? Yeah, I mean, you have to, it begs the question, did she just always think something was going to happen to her, or was this a unique circumstance? Yeah. Was she extra paranoid? And I feel like, hearing about her life, that this was a unique circumstance. I, I feel like she didn't spend her whole life 
waiting in for the fear. other shoe to drop in fear. Exactly. I feel like this was definitely a unique agreed time. Agreed. And I'll kind of get into why she may have said that. So we'll, we'll get a better understanding of, of the, the potential reason that that actually came out of her mouth and why she was thinking about mm-hmm. the possibility mm-hmm. of tomorrow's not pro- promised to me. Also, the wound on her head was actually in the back of her head. So that's why, like, bystanders um, were saying that it didn't, you know, it didn't look consistent with suicide. Mm -hmm. You don't bash yourself in the back of the head. Right. I mean, it's certainly possible, but it's very unlikely. Right. (sighs) Right. And um, her cause of death was drowning. So, again, we talk about all the time how it's very difficult to commit suicide via drowning unless you Mm -hmm. have... You substances have to tie yourself your, off. Yeah, tie something. yourself off. You have to do something to trick your brain into yeah. accepting. Yeah. Well, it'll never accept, but you have to do something because your brain is going to stop it from happening. Right. A hundred percent of the time. Right. So you have to either physically restrain yourself or narcotically restrain yourself. Right. Exactly. Chemically restrain yourself. And uh, you know, I can't. I can't see her autopsy report, but. Um, from what I had heard about it, there was nothing in her report that stated that she was potentially under the influence of anything. There, you know, there was nothing showing in a toxicology report, at least nothing reported um, after. And there was nothing reported about her having like ligature marks or anything. So if she tied herself off, even if she broke free, she would have had to have been tied long enough for her to drown. So you would think that there would possibly be indications somewhere that she had that tied. Or she would potentially have the tie still around her, the rope or whatever still around her, and it just came off of whatever she was being tied down with. Uh, She was also fully clothed when... um, when she was found, which I think is part of why they're leading to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, again, like that's not really a reason to. Right. Think that's just suicide. Right. It's it's maybe kind of supporting evidence for the one argument, but that doesn't mean that it's definitive proof. Yeah. Just because you're unlikely to commit suicide nude doesn't mean that everyone who dies clothed was by suicide. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> And um, in December of 2002, so she died in 1992, it was ruled a suicide, it was closed. Ten years later, in December of 2002, they changed the manner of death from suicide to undetermined. Mm -hmm. Because they really didn't feel like, the medical examiner really didn't feel like there was enough evidence either way. Right. To show whether it was suicide or homicide. So they changed it to undetermined. But it's still, it was still a closed investigation. Right, so then what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. It's I, The police aren't going to go forward, but the medical examiner can change their report at any time, depending on if right. they see new evidence or they like re, you know, they re-examine um, their oh, okay. autopsy report. Yeah. So they changed it to undetermined on the report, but like right. it didn't do anything. So the medical the examiner's office yeah. can say, "Hey, we're we're forcing effectively forcing this change, regardless of whether the department." wants to do anything with the investigation. Yeah, I mean, considering... So it can, it can even be kind of like a kick in the butt then, right? The medical examiners could be saying, hey, look, this was ruled a suicide. 
you need to do something, so we're going to go ahead and play that card. We're going to change this to undetermined to maybe say that the investigation needs to be reopened. They could, they could, right. yeah, they could do that. Um, it could just be that they have, you know, they've looked over it again and they're like, you know what, there's really not enough evidence showing us that this is a suicide. You know, there was no suicide note. There was no um, indication that she had um, overdosed and, and, you know, whatever. Um so they changed it to undetermined just because, you know, they want to cover their own butts, too. Um, yeah. Because of the evidence that, or the lack of evidence. Right. Um, in the case. But it doesn't necessarily mean when they change it that the case is going to be reopened. Right. Even if they changed it to homicide, um, it depends on the circumstances of how it worked out to be homicide. Um, because the... The medical examiner's definition of homicide and the DA's and and law enforcement's definition of homicide in the context of death versus bringing charges mm. are completely different. You can have That's a you can have a homicide manner on a autopsy report on it on a um, on a death report. And it doesn't necessarily mean that charges are going to be brought against that other person because it could be accidental. It could be um, homicide in medical examiner terms basically just means you died at the hands of another individual. The circumstances are what's going to transition that over to a potential case with law enforcement and the DA investigating. Law enforcement okay. obviously will look into it if it is ruled a homicide, but if they don't find anything that's really, like, specific to needing to bring a case against somebody, the DA could just be like, yeah, it's really, yeah. Okay. You know. So what would their, so they would not consider it a homicide then? <sighs> I don't know how they would classify it in like in in law enforcement like on the mm. on the actual case report from the police right i don't know how they would classify it they might classify it homicide and just closed right okay yeah i don't know if this counts as banter we're informing people of important information that's, that's what i would say relevant and to that's the why i asked the question because i figured maybe people want to know but i don't know if that's too much banter well I appreciate this kind of banter. Uh, so I'm keeping this in. Great. <laughs> so in the Netflix documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, we get an intimate look at the investigative process through the eyes of Victoria Cruz, who is a an LGBT activist fighting to keep Marsha's legacy alive and to find out the truth behind her mysterious death. And if you guys haven't watched it, and I'm going to say this about every single thing that I watch that I that I use as research, go watch this documentary. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's really captivating. It's really, it's an important documentary, not just about Marsha's life and death, but about the, the community as a whole and just really understanding their struggles and understanding what they go through when it comes to the, the, the legal system, because we still find so many, especially transgender black women 
not getting the justice they deserve. That They're like the lowest on the totem pole when it right. comes to murders and sexual assaults. Right. Like, li- literally. Yeah, I mean, it's going to sound terrible to say this, but that makes sense. I, I know. Like, that is to say, I'm not surprised by that. It, it's right. <sighs> it's not a surprising statistic, and... What, it's shitty that that's not surprising, right. but it's not surprising. And what Dan means by saying it's not <sighs> surprising is that it's... That's what our society is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we prioritize things where there shouldn't be priorities in no. rights and enforcement. There should not be priorities. Like, everyone should have the same rights. Right. And every crime should be taken exactly as seriously. Yes. As the next. As, as every other crime exactly. at the same level, you know. Exactly. Eh. A murder happened? Investigate it. Exactly. Investigate yeah. it fully. Yeah. A sexual assault occurred? Investigate it fully. It right. shouldn't matter who the victim was, who right. the survivor is. It should matter what your job is. Right. So if you are law enforcement, go investigate to yeah. the fullest. Yeah. If somebody's mailbox gets knocked over, maybe you can kind of put that on the back burner <laughs> and solve the murders first. Well, that's federal. Okay. Mailbox crime is federal. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> if somebody drops a bag of dookies on your front sto- on your front porch, okay, 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 we can put that one in the back burner. Right. We can solve that one later right. and do the murders first. But if murder A and murder B, yes, we gotta we gotta yes. work them. <laughs> oh man, just wait till we get to the Susan Powell case, because when the dispatcher says something, someone calls nine one one and the dispatcher says something. Oh jeez, that is so infuriating. Oh jeez. And it relates to what you just said. Oh, I think I, I think I know what case you're talking about. I, you, so we'll, you, you we'll definitely. Get there, though. Uh, yeah, oh, we'll get there. Uh. That one's gonna be. I don't even know how many parts because uh. that case is wild. So Victoria herself is a queer transgender woman who had been sexually assaulted in 1996 by four female coworkers while employed at the Cobble Hill Nursing Home. Four female coworkers. I think that's something really important to note because we usually hear about sexual assaults as male perpetrator. Right. And as I just went over... I was just going to point this out. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, I just finished writing my, um, my research paper on the backlog of uh, sexual assault kits in the United States. And so I was going over it this morning, having uh, Dan edit it. So I was reading it to him and there's a portion in it that actually talks about the percentage of um, female versus male perpetrators and 90 to 93% of all sexual assaults are committed by males. That means male uh, male perpetrator against female victim and male perpetrator against male victim. So we really only see about 7 to 10% of the time a female perpetrator in a sexual assault. Right. So this is really interesting to me that these are four right. female coworkers. It's not even just one. Right. Four. But, so the other thing that I was going to point out was in that same conversation that we were having, you were saying how somewhere in the country, some legislative body had um, the definition of rape was a male... Yes. Penetration. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, yes. explain it. Yes. So, um, generally speaking around the country, um, rape is considered um, male penetration of a female 
orifice. So basically male penetration, meaning penile pen penetration. So technically under those circumstances, a rape cannot be committed by a female. Which is ridiculous. Unless, and I believe, unless they are having like intercourse with their male victim where there's penile penetration. But see, now That's so ridiculous. Right? We get into semantics. We get into semantic loophole yes. BS. So can under these under these laws, can we consider a female on female crime rape? Right. Or and is it, it or just female on male. It can't be done. Or is so it if I get assaulted and tied sexual up sexual assault. Right. Mm-hmm. And shit happens to me, that's not rape. Yeah. Because sexual assault is defined as um, penetration via either your um, digital penetration, so fingers, penile penetration, or by an object. Right. So sexual assault encompasses all of those things. So rape is under right. um, sexual assault. That's like an umbrella term. Um, so like sodomy goes under there, all of that stuff. But can we consider rape when we have a female perpetrator? You should be able to. You should be able Anytime to. Anytime a person touches another person without permission, mm -hmm. that's rape. Yeah. So, uh. you know, we went over in the Brock Turner case that um, California changed their, their laws to include digital penetration um, as a part of their rape law. Right. Versus just having it had ha it was under just sexual assault, which was a lesser crime, which led to lesser penalties, which is why partly why Brock Turner got out in like less time than we've been in the quarantine. Right. So travesty of justice. Very much so. And this happens every day Ugh. all across the country, all across yep. the world. Yep. Oh, happens. well, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my, sure. And in, oh, but the worst part is that like... it happens here on television. It happens here under the auspices of a justice system. Mm -hmm. Like that crap happens all over the world in like, you know, yeah. places in places where even... there really is no justice. Mm -hmm. There really is no legal system. It happens here under the watchful eyes of some of the most well-paid law enforcement agencies on the planet Earth. Yep. I mean, we have law enforcement agencies that have a bigger budget than entire countries elsewhere in the world. Yeah. yeah. And yet things like this still happen. Yeah. Like, come well, on. We talk about all the time that we have um, our county's police department makes up the wide majority of the entire county's budget. Yep. And not only that, it makes up more of the county's budget than all of the other... <laughs> Government agencies in our county combined. Yep. That's why everybody wants to be a cop here. Correct. <laughs> yes. Our our officers make Bank. very good money. Very good money. And I have had a lot of classmates who have found out what our officers make. Classmates from other parts of the country say, wow, all officers should be paid that. Yeah. And... Yes, some areas should be paid that. Right. Maybe some areas shouldn't. Right. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to go too deep into that, because first of all, that might count as banter. <laughs> Second of all, it's off topic. And yes. third of all, we'll just, yeah. We're going we're gonna to leave <laughs> it there. So after the in incident of the sexual assault against Victoria, um, 
with obvious trauma, a friend referred her to the Anti-Violence Project in the city, which is a group that advocates for survivors of violence. With the help of the Anti-Violence Project, Victoria reported the incident to local police and was later taken to the Brooklyn Criminal Court. So, okay, things were happening for her. Fantastic. But, due to her circumstances, being a transgender individual, police gossiped about her. And she remembers having to describe her anatomy in court, explaining she has two breasts and a penis. And it was an extremely difficult ordeal for her, and ultimately led to her obtaining a position of employment with the Anti-Violence Project. Because she didn't want others to go through what right. she had gone through in that system. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I can't imagine having to get up on the stand and talk in front of a bunch of people about what my body looks like. And and it's also, it's, you know, shouldn't you have a doctor do that? Like, if, if there's a point of that line of questioning, which is to establish gender... Right? Well, shouldn't you have like a medical professional do that? Because I'm not a medical professional. Like, yeah, I know what's on me and whatnot, but uh, you, I can't really speak with with expert alacrity on what exactly every part of my body is doing at any given time because I'm not a doctor. So, just like I couldn't get up on the stand and speak to what your body is or what it's doing, I couldn't speak to that about myself either so i don't understand how a courtroom can expect a person mm -hmm. to give expert testimony on something which they are not even a little bit of an expert on yeah that yeah. doesn't it, like it has it has no evidentiary merit merit i think that part <laughs> of the problem too i agree with that it would be it would be like you know asking oj if the glove fit of course he's gonna say no right i think also <laughs> part of the problem too was you know she had to talk about what her body is made up of for them to determine you know i think it was a lot of it was probably the defense that like asked her this question and it was probably to say like oh well if she has a penis then she's a man and women can't rape men because in 1996 right nobody believed that a woman could rape a man right or sexually assault a man right i mean look at the laws well like right we just, uh, exactly like we exactly. just said so i think that was also part of it that they were trying to disprove her um, her allegations. Right. They were trying to say, oh, well, you, you couldn't have possibly, four women? How could, how? No. Right. If you have a penis, you were probably enjoying it. it right. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't sexual assault. Right, right. Or so. like, well, four women, like, any man can stop four women. Like, no. No, they can't. No. Uh. No. Um... And to make matters worse, of course, um, only two of the four perpetrators in Victoria's attack were convicted. So only two of them. And they were only convicted of sexual harassment. They didn't get convicted of sexual assault. And the sexual harassment conviction came along with only 15 days in jail and paying a fine. Jeez. That's ridiculous. So those women got to walk free after... They got to go right back to work and probably pull that crap again. Probably. That's insane. Yeah. So again, Victoria wanted really to ensure that justice was served for others in her community because clearly justice was not right 
served mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. in her case. No. It's infuriating. So Victoria has vowed to use her advocacy work to help others in the LGBT community receive the justice she didn't truly receive because those in this community are often ignored or shunned by authorities. Along with Victoria, transgender activist Mariah Lopez played a large role in the investigation of Marsha's death. In 2012, Mariah lobbied to reopen Marsha's case and asked that it be re-examined utilizing modern technology. And that year, the Manhattan DA reopened the case as a possible homicide. So 20 years. That's crazy. I mean, you know, better late than never, but like, damn, that's late. Yes. (laughs) 20 years later, they reopened. Now, there are many theories as to what may have actually happened to Marsha. Victoria Cruz investigated the death and interviewed many witnesses who could potentially provide information about what happened to Marsha. So let's discuss the timeline and then we'll get into some of the theories. Because some of the theories are very interesting. Randy Wicker, Marsha's roommate at the time, said a witness informed him he had seen Marsha on July 2nd four days prior to her body being found. The witness explained he saw Marsha and a known neighborhood instigator named Michael fighting on the pier. And I just have to make one point when I was researching this, the article that I read said he was a rabble rouser. Oh, yeah, he rouses the rabble. Yeah. And I just, I think that's such a funny term. Rabble rouser. (laughs) He said the witness informed him that he saw Michael calling Marsha the F word, which I am not going to say, and later bragged about killing a drag queen at a local bar. You should never brag about committing murder. Nope. Like, I, I don't so care. So many of them Who the do. victim is. Like, you shouldn't... Yeah, no, don't do so that. So many murderers do. And people who haven't committed murder also do. Right. It's so weird. Right. And you're better off saying you killed someone if you've never killed anyone and you're sure you've never killed anyone. But still... If you've killed a person, don't say you've killed a person. But still, like... We'll do, so you get caught, it's but I mean... It's just like... I don't... Yeah. No, I... I yeah. I don't know why people are proud of that. Well, yeah. I mean, like, uh, so, I, I, I know in, like, there's some... Er, there's street... There's also street cred when you say that you, like, shot somebody or, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, sure, no, but, but that's the thing. Like, even if I were in some kind of gang, right, and I killed someone, I wouldn't say it. I would be like, oh, you know, I took care of the problem, or something like that. Because when you say, I killed a drag queen, and... Three nights earlier, a drag queen was killed. Guess what? You're going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. people be dumb. So the witness actually said that he attempted to inform the police of this incident, but was brushed off. Wow. Lovely police work. And one thing that should be known about the police in this area at this time was that the 6th precinct that encompasses the West Village... And the officers who worked that beat were known to abuse LGBT individuals. Right. So clearly, no justice is being had there. No. They would harass them on the streets. They would punch them. Yeah. That's... uh... And it didn't matter because these were people who were seen as nothing. Right. So even if they then filed reports that 
police officers were abusing them. Right. Who's going to take that seriously? That's going nowhere. And, and not only is it going nowhere, but you're actually going to do more harm to yourself than yes. good. Yes. Like, by far. That's why so many people don't report when an officer has done something to them. Right. Because what is going to happen to right. them? You're going to do no good, but you're but you're going to put yourself in, in harm's in way. In harm's for way, sure. yes. For sure. Like, if I get pulled over, I'm just like, yes, sir, whatever. I know. Like, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. I don't care how prideful you are, how much of a badass you think you are. You're not going to win. No. Just, and it sucks. It sucks. Because in a case like this, where some people, an entire group of people is having injustices done to them, it sucks. But my advice to them is, yep, just, you know. Grin and bear it. Grin and bear it. Yeah. Because you're just not going to win. It's so sad. Yeah, it sucks. It was also reported that Marsha was seen the morning of July 5th, one day prior to her body being found, having said she was afraid and being followed by two men at 22nd Street towards the river. This was said to have been reported to police, yet the police claim there was no record of this report ever being filed. Convenient. Again. Oh, why are all of we never these, got that. Why are all of these witnesses coming forward saying, I saw her, she said these things to me. Right. And the police are like, that was never reported. Right. Mere convenience? Again, we, we talked about this in another episode, how, like, when you lie, right, try to be intelligent about your lies. Don't make really stupid, obvious lies. Like, make something up that's a little <laughs> more intelligent than, like, oh, these six random civilians who showed up and issued reports are all liars, and, you know, we never got the report. Yeah. Like, that's an obvious lie. Yeah. Don't lie obviously. Yeah. I know. But they do <sighs> it all the time. They do, and it's crazy. It's crazy. And people <laughs> believe it. And nothing ever happens. I don't know if people believe it, but nothing ever happens. I think <sighs> people believe it. I think when the police say things, people believe it. Maybe. I'm sure some people do, yeah. but I'm sure a lot of people are like, nope. And even with the case being reopened in 2012, it was closed again in 2013. And the cause and manner of death were, were changed to drowning and undetermined. And that's it. The oh. police found no evidence of foul play, reclosed it. Right. So it still remains closed to this day. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna, right? Yeah. But, but to change the manner of death to undetermined drowning, like... I don't know. Where is that going to lead? Nowhere. 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 And so Victoria Cruz is continuing her fight. And the Netflix documentary filmed in 2017, I think it was like 2016, 2017 that they filmed it, uh, shows there are plenty of reasons to continue investigating. Not only was there a potential poor performance on the police department's part, but there was also a theory of Marsha's death having been tied to the mob. Ooh. So Randy Wicker, Marsha's roommate, had at one point made antagonizing statements regarding mafia-linked figures challenging their leadership of a street fair that was held at the end of the Pride Parade. According to Philip Crawford Jr.'s book, The Mafia and the Gays, Crawford explores the notion of how the mafia controlled gay bars in New York for decades. Yeah, I mean, they controlled bars in New York for decades, so gay, straight, you know, the, mo 
the mob knows no color but green. But they, well, uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, they may they may want there may be many uh, elements within the organization that are like ah, f these effers, you know, we're gonna kill them all. But like, that's a val- those are you know those are customers. Yep. So and one thing that the New York Mafia is very very good at is getting money from people. Yes. They are incredibly good at extracting dollars. Yes, they are. So, yeah, if you're a straight bar, gay bar, Asian bar, Hispanic bar, they don't give a crap. They'll yep. take your money. Yep. <laughs> and uh, FBI files showcased this evidence that the mafia integrated gay bars into their regime. After gay bars became legal, the mafia still had control over them through mutual agreement and convenience. They would use, quote, anti-gays, anti-gays, known as the Uncle Toms of the gay community as frontmen in the bars to evade suspicion. Anti-gays. I love it. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So they were the fronts. They were, they were there to, you know, welcome people in. Right. They were dealing in the back. Right. Yeah. And this led to them allegedly infiltrating the Christopher Street Liberation Day Committee and the Christopher Street Festival Committee which ran the Pride Parade. So when Randy made these allegations of their poor leadership, Marsha became fearful weeks prior to her death that she would be killed by the mob. And shortly after her death, the anti-violence project received a threat that Randy would soon end up like Marsha. However, conveniently, of course, the police said there is no record of these threats ever having been made. Of course, once again. We never got that memo. But according to another sex worker who had been working the stroll, that's what they called it, with Marsha shortly before her death, she witnessed Marsha getting into a car with Guidos. Hmm. Right. And, you know, at that time... At that time, yeah. Guidos were pretty much just... Connected. Right. Especially if there's, like, four of them all wearing the same suits, all ushering someone into the back of a windowless box van. Yeah. Yeah, we know what they do for a living. And so, in the 90s, in the city, the mob was... Oh, yeah. Huge. They were everywhere, they ran a lot, and you did not F with them. Because they were relatively unrestricted. Right. I mean, there were some, you know, there was a little bit of a crackdown in comparison to, like, earlier times, 40s, 50s, 60s. But in the 90s, yeah, they were still, they could still make you disappear. Yeah. For sure. You know? Right. And the connection between the mafia and the police, I mean, like, we had so many corrupt police departments in the 90s, like, around the country, especially in, like, metropolitan areas, like, the city, uh, or New York City, I mean, uh, Boston, Boston was yeah oh yeah so like they even acknowledge how how corrupt they were well Chicago also and Chicago was also being infiltrated by the mob in gay bars yeah so all of these these large cities had corrupt police departments right the mafia running the town right like what do you what where do I go what do I do right what's happening right and again it's kind of like we were talking about before where it's a situation where you're not going to win you just have to accept it exactly like well I live here this is where my apartment is right I don't have the money to move I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this so now like (sighs) can we speculate that maybe the mob did have something to do with her death and 
the police know that and they just don't want to get involved in that. Right. Like, what is the reasoning for the police to... Like, I understand that Why is the case so off limits? Yeah. Why are there no reports of anything? Why? It's just a little strange. Is this this run-of-the-mill negligence in your duties, or is this intentional sabotage? Right. (laughs) Right. So the working theories from those wanting this case reopened are that she was either killed by someone specifically for being trans, or she was killed by the mob because of the circumstances surrounding the community, and possibly Randy's comments. Either way, police still found no evidence to support either of these claims. I put that in quotes. And thus, Victoria Cruz wanted to investigate this herself. She had called the medical examiner's office to obtain Marsha's autopsy report and autopsy photos, but they told her they would need a letter from Marsha's family to release that information. Fine. Understandable. And so Marsha's family indeed wrote this letter for Victoria to examine this further. They just, they want to know as badly as everybody else does. It's her family. You know, they're, they, they want to know what happened to their sister, brother, it's loved one. Absolutely. I would want to know. Absolutely. (laughs) So the letter was sent to the ME and upon following up on this, Victoria was told by the records department that there was no case file for Marsha's case. Like, how can there not be a case file, even? Uh, Like, there has to be a file. Maybe you can say there's nothing in it, but there has to be a file. Apparently, misplacing the files happens occasionally. And that was their answer. Wow. This sometimes happens. Right. People die and we're just like, oh no, we couldn't keep the folder. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What does that do for an investigation? There is no investigation at that point. Exactly. It's, it's, you could start over, I guess, because everything's gone now, but there so, is no investigation if there's no folder. So what if this was ruled an actual homicide? Mm-hmm. And the police wanted to investigate this. Right. And now, oops, there's no... Can't do it. ...case file. Right. Can't do it. Oh, well. Yeah. What? And nobody's going to lose their job for that. No. No new policies are going to be instituted for that. No. You know, no continuing education programs, nothing. It's just going to be like, eh, what are we going to do about it? Oh, well. But, so Victoria speculated that this was the only case from 1992 that had mysteriously gone missing, and she, like, mentioned that to the records clerk, and the records clerk said she could not give a definitive answer on that. Like, she was staying quiet about, like, how many cases they lose per annum. Right. No comment. Versus, like, yeah. Like, do you want to own up to losing multiple case files? Or that this is mysteriously the only case file that went missing that year? Right. Do you want to own up to that? (laughs) Right. Either Either way. way. (laughs) Either way, you're screwed. Right. Either, no, we actually are really good at keeping records, and somehow this one disappeared. Somehow this was the only one. Or we're just so incompetent that we lose 50% of these records. Exactly. Like, you're not going to win. Where do you want to go with that? Exactly. So she was just kind of like, um... Either way, where are those millions of dollars in taxes going? Yes. Yes. This isn't like a freaking volunteer organization here. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> no. No, these people get paid. By us. Yes. Uh-huh. Protect and serve. <laughs> to lose your shit. Yeah. However, they were able to obtain a partial report and photos for Victoria and sent them her way. So, like, how all of a sudden was now suddenly part, of, a case part of the report there? Right. That's that's the appendix. We still have the appendix. Yeah. We still have the addendum. That's like, in there. did they did they put it under a, 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 the wrong case number and then they just had to dig a little right. deeper to find it? Right. Or were was they it like, like in the bottom something... drawer in his desk? Like, oh no, I had some stuff. I brought it home. It had some marinara sauce on it. Yeah. <laughs> or were they really trying to just not release this information and then they finally were like, all right, well maybe we'll give some of it over. You know right. what I mean? Like, like again, these are obvious lies. These are really like, like murky waters that we're in now. Right, like who, right. Where, if shit don't add up, somebody's yeah. lying. Somebody's yeah. lying. You know. So like you, miraculously, the, they have half a report that's like, oh, we just found it. Right. We just right. found the report. Right. You'll never believe it. You'll never believe where we found it. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not going to believe you, because I know you're lying. Because <laughs> when you start a story with the craziest thing yeah. happened, mm-hmm. you're probably lying. Yeah. And when you start all your stories with the craziest thing happening, statistically speaking, I have to assume you're lying. Mm-hmm. Crazy shit happens to people one, two times in their life. Mm-hmm. Not every single time. No. So don't tell me the craziest thing happened. That folder's gone, but this other folder, that's here. You're a liar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and when Victoria received the uh the the miracle paperwork uh she then went to dr michael baden who was the former chief medical examiner of new york from 1978 to 1979 he's done a lot of um high profile cases he's talked about um a lot of high profile profile cases because we obviously have a lot of high profile cases happening in the city um and i think he also was on I think it was an HBO show called Autopsy, like talking about cases and stuff. So he's like a big guy. He's a big deal. Um, so Victoria brings the the case file to him to have him look it over and give his opinion on it. Obviously, he is just looking at what a medical examiner already wrote and photos that were already taken. He can't look at the body itself. So he's just going by what has already been reported. She went to meet with him to review Marsh's autopsy report. And what Dr. Baden found was also inconclusive. (laughs) The report had said that Marsha sustained a subarachnoid hemorrhage and indeed died from drowning. So she did hit her head. Get conked on the noggin. Right. And drowned. Okay. Yeah, but like, but hard enough to How? cause a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Like, so the arachnoid space is a space that's designed specifically to insulate. Yes. Like it's it's a pretty Correct. tough tough nut to crack. Correct. That requires a big hit. I mean, could you potentially get a hemorrhage by falling? Yeah, but it probably means somebody whacked you. Well, so according to Doctor Baden, um, he said that the injury to her head could have been caused by passing debris in the river. So if the current was strong enough... It and could have whacked her in the head. Yeah. Something whacked. It's just a question of whether it was a human or it was a passing log. So he does not believe okay. that it was... Because this is, what, the East River or the Hudson or something This like is that? Hudson. This Either is way, Hudson. 
all of the rivers in New York City don't have current strong enough. We're not talking about, like, whitewater rapids here. No, but there are plenty of people who have died in the Hudson because of either not being able to swim or because the current has just been so strong. Right. There are so many cases, and they're not suicides. They're not ruled suicides. They're ruled accidental. There are so many. Yeah. So many cases. That's because the Hudson is poison. (laughs) It's full of poison. And if you touch it, you die. The Hudson is full of poison. But, you know... (laughs) When you see people out there kayaking, you're just like, what are you doing? And that was the thing. There's a case... There's a case that I've talked to you about. I'm going on a a little bit of a tangent here, but there's a case that I've talked to you about where a man actually was kayaking with his girlfriend or wife at the time. I don't remember what their relationship specifically was, but they were intimate partners. And he drowned because the, the current was so strong. And she's actually serving time because they believe that she rigged his kayak. Right. But there has been so many um, investigative proceedings from different people looking at, um, like, the, the conditions of that day and, uh, and like, doing stuff with the kayak. And they there are so many people, um, professionals who truly believe that she did not do this, that Mm -hmm. he just happened to have a faulty kayak and flipped over and drowned because of the current. So it, it, it has happened and there are experts to say that the current can be strong enough in the Hudson. All right. So just throwing that out there. (laughs) But, um, but there isn't, like, debris floating in it. Well, there is. There is. But there's... <laughs> um, <laughs> there's tons of debris. But there are no, like, logs and big rocks being carried by, like, the Mississippi. No. You know what I mean? But there could be planks from, like, the piers. Yeah, but are they going to hit you in the head hard enough to cause a subarachnoid so hemorrhage? So, Dr. Dr. Baden thinks so. All right. Dr. Baden thinks that she was hit in the head, possibly by something floating in the water. Okay. And that could have caused her her head injury. All right. That it was not caused, that it didn't indicate that someone had beaten her over the head with something. All right. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean beaten where, like, multiple strikes. I mean even one strike. Right. He didn't see any indication of that from, at least from the photos that were presented in that file. Okay. That's it. So, it's still speculative of what could have possibly happened. So, could she have fallen in, hit her head, and then drowned? Could she have fallen in, fighting the current, something comes, smacks Mm -hmm. her in the head, Mm -hmm. she drowns? So, you know, it, it doesn't look like someone hit her over the head and she went in. It okay. looks like she went in and, and then, then was hit, hit All right. by something passing by or right or or hit her head it's herself right. on But the he way didn't in. have access to the body. He was just looking at photos. He was just looking so, at photos. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying it's really still knows? it's still speculation right. of what actually happened. Right, right. exactly. And this is He's the problem with doing an investigation twenty years after the fact. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you you know, you're not going to exhume her body and have it be in pristine condition, and, you know, she's no, going to be a skeleton right, at, this at point, that point. Right, at this point, yes, there will be no tissues remaining, nope. so you could, yeah, you could do nope. analysis of the bones, but... Right, right, but, um, 
I would assume there were already photos of her skull um, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if she was hit hard enough to have a subarachnoid hemorrhage, sorry, my chair is squeaking. If she was hit in art hard enough for that to have happened, then there probably would have been something showing on her skull. Um, but there was no indication in her report either that she had like a skull fracture. Right. So it's, it's just, it's interesting, you know, to think of how she could have sustained that without any other injuries showing. Right. Um, I mean, maybe she just had a stroke. Yeah, I mean, technically, we don't we don't know the nature of the hemorrhage. Correct. Right. So, absolutely, it could technically have been a stroke. Right. Yes. Maybe she had a stroke and fell in the water. Right. And died. Right. And drowned. Yes. I, you know, there's so yeah. many other possibilities that, without seeing the body, you yeah. can't really tell what exactly right. happened. Right, because, I mean, like I said, without the tissue for evidence, because the... Because if you can examine the tissue, you can determine if that hemorrhage was due to uh, blunt force trauma or if it was due to something like a stroke. Because you can look at the blood vessels in mm-hmm. the area mm-hmm. and they'll show you if there's sclerosis. They'll show you if there are thrombotic deposits right. throughout um, throughout the vessel. Right. Um, you know, and if you do a full autopsy, there is going to be evidence of increased clotting factors and whatnot you know, yeah. uh, that will indicate if the formation of a clot was possible, which right. then... Yeah. I mean, she, um, you know, she, she did say that ju- just before her death, she did say that she had been HIV positive for two years. Mm-hmm. So clearly there was something going on in her body. Right. Um, that wasn't sufficiently working. She didn't right. have full blown AIDS yet. And that's what I was going to say, is but, that if, if, if she knew that she had contracted it two years prior, versus maybe contracting it ten years prior and getting a diagnosis two years prior, if you know that you contracted it two years prior, not that getting HIV is ever not a big deal, but it, it's a slow-acting virus in the sense that after two years, you're not, you're probably not going to be having fatal strokes mm-hmm. from it. And yes. if you're saying she wasn't actually diagnosed with AIDS then that, by definition, means that the virus hadn't really progressed far enough right. to be from what she lethal said, in the sense that you're going to get a stroke bad enough yes. to cause a subarachnoid From what she hemorrhage. said, she was HIV positive for two years at right. that point. Right. She didn't mention that she had full-blown AIDS at that point. Right. So we right. can assume that, yes, she wasn't at that stage yet. Right. Right. Where it, it was likely to contribute to her death. Again, right. it's, possible, it's possible, of course. Anything's possible. Right. But but HIV tends to be pretty slow working in the sense that if you contract it at year X, it's not going to significantly impact your mortality rate until X plus 10 or, right. or more. So, you yeah, know? something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So again, we're, we're just, we're, we're speculating here mm-hmm. because there's so many, and that's, and that's why all of her friends and family wanted this to be reopened because there's so much that could have happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many different working theories that could have possibly happened to her. And there's so little data present so to analyze. Little. So little. Because and, the folder went missing. And what I also thought was an interesting piece was that when they did take her out of the river, there were obviously like bystanders there. Someone found someone saw her in the river, called the police, the police came, took her out. 
Right. She was she was passed already. They also didn't give us like a time of death. So like I don't know how long she had been in the river. She was seen the morning before. Mm-hmm. So um was she in the river overnight only? Was she in the river since the following morning? Was she in the river only two hours before they found her? Right. We, we don't even know that. But when she was pulled out of the river, there were witnesses who said that the, um, the surrounding area on the pier where she was placed was covered in blood. So that, to me, says that she was only in there for a short period of time. Not enough yet for the water okay, to wash... So the, the river to wash okay. away all of her blood. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. And, like, nobody talked about that further. Yeah, when they pulled the body out, you're saying. Yeah. Where they pulled the body out, it was still bleeding. Yes. Significantly. Right. Correct. So then there, yeah, yeah. so then it so couldn't then have been that much time. Right. Right. So, you know, what, the last time she was seen was the morning before they found her. So what happened between that time when she said she was being followed and that next morning when she was found. That's the time period that we need to understand what transpired and we have nothing to go on. She says she's being followed and then the next day she's found dead, dead. in, the, dead right. in the river. Right. Sounds like murder to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it. The, you know, that's... And that's why... Like, just because the body isn't showing evidence... That doesn't necessarily mean there isn't anything. Right. And, and, mind you, listeners, if you don't know this, if you do an autopsy, like, the day after the body is, um, has died, there are a lot of wounds and injuries that are not going to show up. So that's why a lot of times when they re- open a case and they re-examine a body and it's, uh, you know, it, it hasn't decomposed significantly. So, you know, you still have tissue. You'll actually see more bruising. And that's not a post-mortem artifact. That didn't happen after the fact. That's something that is developing over the course of when an injury is gone. Because we even see on ourselves when we're alive <laughs> When we get a bruise, it develops into different stages. So that's continuing to happen even after the person passes. So just because she had this one bruise on her head that doesn't show, um, that doesn't indicate trauma inflicted by another individual, that doesn't mean she doesn't have anything all over the rest of her body. Right. So if they took her out of the water, they examined her that day and they didn't find anything, that doesn't mean that there wasn't anything else on her body. Right. It just means that it didn't develop yet. Right, because biological processes are still occurring in the body. Correct. The moment that you die, you're dead, but there's still stuff happening. Correct. There's still cellular metabolism occurring within your body. So a few days later, a week later, her body will start looking completely differently. And again, it's it's not the decomposition process Right. It's, it's the development the of those... Yeah, the residual biological processes, which were in play before the time of death. Correct. Which continue regardless of the fact that you Correct. aren't answering your phone yep. anymore. Uh-huh. There have been so many cases that I've looked into where um, someone has been beaten severely 
Um, and the day that their autopsy is performed, they don't see anything. And then the family is like, no, no, this is a homicide. I know something happened. We're going to hire somebody to look at this further. They get another forensic pathologist to look at it. And that forensic pathologist who takes pictures also shows in their photos evidence of severe injuries to all areas of the body. Right. That weren't there a week prior. Right. Which which screams professional negligence for the people who did the initial investigation. Yeah. And I understand that, like, if the signs don't show up right away, that's not technically, like, your obligation to say, well, these might show up. But, well, it kind of is because you then have to be prepared to say, well, we either have to identify some way to predetermine that these things are a likelihood or we simply have to wait the allotted period of time for those things to occur. You know, if bruising doesn't occur for 48 hours or whatever and there's no way to tell beforehand and you have to wait those 48 hours and do an additional investigation of the of the body to say okay yes these are or are not going to show up or we need to find some way some predeterminations you can make about these things but you can't just say oh well since it doesn't show up for 48 hours and we did the autopsy six hours post-mortem that's it we're just going to wrap it up and call it a day like no because it's literally logically impossible to make this determination on all the other, all these other issues. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah. There's a whole, you know, there's a saying that, like, um, if there's no DNA um, found at a crime scene, then that means that there was no, that, that, that a particular person didn't commit the crime. But that doesn't mean squat. Yeah, I can commit a crime without leaving DNA. Correct. That's easy. So to look at a body right after it, died and to say oh well if there is no one else's dna this couldn't have been a murder well not even that (laughs) if there's no physical signs of bruising that means this person wasn't beaten right like you can't say that right you can't say that right you have to wait that period of time Yeah. yeah exactly a lot of autopsies though are performed a few days after the body comes in just because of the backlog with right. bodies and paperwork and all that stuff. Right. So, um, but anyway, uh, Dr. Baden did say that if Marsha had been running away from someone and fell into the river by accident, it could be ruled a homicide. Okay. So if she's being followed that by these people and they're chasing her and she okay. like goes to the pier and she slips and falls in... It could be ruled a homicide because the reason that she fell in was because she was running for her life from others. So it could be ruled that they caused her death. Okay. But that would be one of those times where does the DA really think that there's enough here to bring charges of manslaughter to convict these people, try to convict these people. Right. So that's what I was talking about before, that homicide in a death report could be completely different than what we see as homicide in a in an actual arrest. Right. Law so. homicide versus order homicide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
sometimes they'll just rule it a homicide in um in a death uh on a death report for like insurance purposes too you know like if it's a suicide you won't get right. insurance right but if it's uh and sometimes if it's undetermined they can't but if it's like accidental or if it's or a natural it's or if it's homicide insurance doesn't want to pay for anything no insurance doesn't want to pay for anything they've got to make their money <laughs> yeah yeah so unfortunately, the case has continued to stay closed through these years, and there is a multitude of evidence showing it could just have been a simple accident. And I'm not convinced it was necessarily suicide, and I'm also not convinced that someone beat her and threw her in the river, but I do maybe believe that she could have slipped and fell into the water because she was running away from someone. But who? I don't know. Do you have any theories? Based on Carmine. what you just said, it was Carmine. And Polly. Carmine Gambino? Yeah. You think No, it's I mob? mean, it, it's pretty convenient that you get threatened by a criminal organization known to murder people and throw them in the river. And throw them in the river. And then days later you get dead in a river. Right. So. I know. Yeah. I know. So that's pretty convenient. It's very convenient. And then all the records disappear. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Sounds like Moida to me. I want to pose to our listeners, what are your thoughts? Was it the mob? Was Marsha killed? Was it suicide? Tell us on our Instagram or Facebook, because we want to hear your theories. Comment below. Well, no. Not below. I know, it was a joke. That's why I did joking voice. Oh. I don't know, it was that banter. <laughs> Sorry for the banter. Either way, we know Marsha's activism was phenomenal, and due to her fight, she now still has people fighting for her. She left an amazing legacy behind and continues to inspire people to this day. We honor her today and every day for being a pioneer and a beautiful soul. Do you have anything more to add? No, I mean... Yeah, it's just like we said at the at the closing of the last episode that you know, it's a it's a silver lining here that even though someone had to die, a beautiful soul had to be taken from us. All of this good was done. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best that you can hope for in a situation like this. In a world where people can just be made dead because <laughs> they're not the same as everyone else. Yeah. The best that we can hope for is that maybe they'll inspire some change. Yeah. Because for most of human history, if you were different and you ended up dead, the next person who was different ended up dead too. Right. So maybe, just maybe, some people who are different will get to live. Yeah. Well said. And that concludes episode 14 of Blackbird. Woohoo. Yay. I like the number 14. Yeah? Yeah, it's a good number. Okay. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And we're actually looking for guests for um, an, a series that we're going to be doing in August um, about sexual violence, harassment in the military. So if you are someone who may have been 
afflicted by that, experienced that in the military, we would really like to hear from you. And hopefully you would want to be on the show. We can, of course, keep your anonymity. We don't have to say your name. We can uh, adjust your voice. But um, or or you can just send us um, something that you want us to read. Right. That's totally fine, too. Um, But the whole month of August, we're going to be doing, um, you know, stories about the military because of, unfortunately, what happened to Vanessa Gian um recently so we we are looking for people who want to share their stories about that um because we want people to understand that this happens unfortunately quite often and that if you are someone that's going through it that you're not alone we we want people to to hear stories from others who have experienced it so that they know it happens to others as well it's not isolated to just you it's it doesn't happen in a bubble this happens to many people all over. And only when everyone speaks up will we know how serious the problem is. Yes. Because if no one talks about it, then we don't know how serious the problem is and nothing will ever get done. Absolutely. And you can always DM us on Instagram at Blackbird Advocacy. And we still have a giveaway going on for a really, really cute tote. And the rules are really simple. So follow us on Instagram at Blackbird Advocacy. Like the post of the giveaway. Tag a friend. And then share the post. And you can share it in your stories or you can share it as a regular post on Instagram. And then um, when we get to 1,000 listens of the podcast, which we are super close to, uh, we'll, we'll pick a winner. And you and the friend that you tag could both win the yeah, and, tote. And then your friend will love you because you got your friend a free tote. Yeah. A really, really adorable one. Yeah. Yeah. About it true will, crime. It will tote all your goats. Yeah. <laughs> so um, go to our Instagram. You can find that uh, that post and join the giveaway. Super fun. And then, you know, of course, you can share and... Uh, Tell your friends about our podcast and have everyone maybe have a listening party. That'd be yeah, fun. Listening party. That parties. would be super cool. And then uh, we would like you to review us too. Five 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 star review. If you yes. Could. Yeah. We we like reviews. Um, so far, we have all five star reviews. Um, if you have like a legitimate concern about the show and like there's something that you just dislike, you can you can reach out to us. At, and inform us of like whatever it is that you think that we should be adjusting on the show. Yeah. So try yeah. not to leave us like rude yeah. reviews about that stuff because, because that's not going to solve anything. No. Cause you're here listening right now. So that means <laughs> that you, you give a crap about this. Yeah. So don't you want it to be better? Right. And if you don't tell us in a constructive way exactly. how to get better, we're not going to get better, exactly. and then you're not going to be able to listen. Correct. And then you just wasted an hour of your time. Yeah. That sucks. Like, we've been told by a few people that the beginning banter, it takes a little long for us to get into our actual stories. So we're trying to cut down on that. The middle, I don't, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> we're just going to keep bantering. <laughs> but again, our banter in the middle is informative, and it actually, it relates to the case that we're talking about. Um, but that was constructive criticism. It wasn't just like, hey, I hate listening to you guys talk. Because, like, if you hate listening to us talk, then just don't listen. This is listen. not the place for you. No. 
That's all this is. Just listen to something else. Um, but yeah, we always, we're open to constructive criticism for for sure. Um, but we would really like some five-star reviews. Just saying. All right. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Continue to be exactly who you are, unless you are a garbage human. Although I highly doubt anyone listening to this is a garbage human. Very much. So continue being exactly who you are. Yes. Mm. And wear your masks. Yes, please. Masks on. And continue to social distance if you can. Yes. And use your hand sanitizer. Don't touch your face. Right. Just don't be gross. Just don't. And if you've been around somebody that potentially has the virus, put yourself in a 14-day quarantine. Because that's how long it incubates in your body. And then after the 14 days, if you have not contracted it, you you're probably, probably good. Right. You probably don't have it, and you're probably fine. Yeah, you can go back to Applebee's. And if you want, you should get the antibody test. Yeah, if you can. For sure. Yeah. If it's if it's available in your municipality, in your yes. town, county, governance, whatever, yeah. Right. Get it done. Get it done. Find out if you did have it. Because for some people they don't even know they had it because they were asymptomatic. And uh, and also, by the way, there's not enough research to say that if you did have it that you are immune to getting it again. Right. So please still yes, this continue is a to be cautious. Rapidly developing biological entity yeah uh. okay so that's all our banter oh yeah i'm sorry the banter <laughs> we'll see you next week peace